Hello and welcome to another episode of... Fanatic. I cracked myself up now. I don't know why. Skeletons in the attic. My friend is Brent and I'm Patrick. (laughs) This show is overly dramatic. This show is overly dramatic. Ready? Yeah. What's going on this week, man? I don't know. I feel like a one-hit wonder when I have to sing the song. I just start laughing because everybody, <laughs> everybody knows it so well now. Yeah. I, I, I should just play it like a big star and have the turn the mic to the fans and have them sing it. All our fan loves it. That it it, it did. Um, <laughs> I'm not good with pronouns. Sorry. <laughs> me and me and Jordan Peterson. I can't. I, I want to help, but I just can't figure them out. Yeah. Right. So. yeah. <laughs> I'm back to work, man. Indeed. Back what to is- work with these high yeah. school kids. It's a weird time. It's a weird time. How, what do you do? Do you have to like have like a full welder's mask on? Pretty much. Yeah. If So the idea is you got, you got the, you got the mask, like the surgical mask. And then you got the face shield. If you got to like go up and close and answer questions. Okay. Yeah. So all the teachers look like Hannibal Lecter, basically. Essentially. Yeah. They get wheeled into the classroom and uh, they're t- talking about fava beans and Chianti. Exactly. I, you know, I had, I had the dream of being a surgeon once in my life. Now I feel like one a little bit just because of the look. <laughs> but it's, it's just so silly, man. I don't, I don't know how long it's going to last. There's, like, there's bets <laughs> as to, like, you know, maybe October, yeah, the- maybe November. If there's one case, the whole mother gets shut down. Something like that. Yeah. So it's like an outbreak is declared in a school if there's two cases within a 14 day period. Wow. That's a low bar. That's so low. (laughs) And they already had like. The whole place is swimming with crabs, but you know. In in Brampton, they, they had a case of like one teacher who had it already. So I just don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to last very long. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, is it a mix online Monday, Wednesday, Friday, in person, Tuesday, Thursday? Is it full time? They have, they have like half, half your class is on one day and half on the next day. So everybody's coming one day on one day off for one half of the class. And then one day on one day off for the other half. Hmm. Yeah. So it's basically half the school is in the building for a cup for two hours a day yeah it's it's complex man it's complex then they have to go home and they're supposed to be online but then you know who's who's really gonna do that (laughs) not everybody not everybody yeah like i feel i feel bad for the parents with younger kids because it's the parents sitting on Zoom watching the lesson, taking the notes. Yeah, well, I guess for these elementary kids, they have they. It's either their full day or they're not there at all. Okay. So elementary kids are there every day. Yeah, yeah I don't, I know this is completely unprecedented. Yeah. Um, 
Like I obviously I teach adults, so it's yeah. a different situation. But but herding cats, you know, I try to get the the high schoolers to to pay attention with all this new weird stuff going on. Anything online's a write off, in my oh, opinion. Pretty much. Anyway, man, I try to get my mind off it, and I'm watching sports, right? Okay. Did you see that uh, Djokovic incident? No, I did not. Oh wow. What happened? So. He's the number one tennis player in the world on the men's side. All right. right. Uh, He's in a match. It's in the first set. He's down like six, five. I think it was. This is in Australia. This is the U S open. U S open. Yeah. Okay. And you know how like tennis players will just hit the ball back to the ball boy or whatever. Yeah. So he hits the ball and it hits an umpire in the throat. And she goes down like she got shot with a forty-five. Well, she kind of did. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a fast serve. But I mean, but she went down, okay. And it it when you look at the video, it looks like he's just he didn't really do it on purpose. There's no way you like hit the ball at no. an umpire. He didn't do it on purpose. He's not McEnroe. He did not. He, he, just, he just knocked the ball back to whoever is in that corner, right? Usually they are able to, like, catch the ball and have the ball ready for the next serve or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she goes down, holding her throat, uh, can't breathe. So they call the medics and stuff. And then, you know, he goes over to apologize, and she just gives him this look. Like, you monster, get away from me. Like, like he's the most evil man in the world. And there's like this picture of that on the internet with okay. that one, with that one error, I guess, with that one ball that hit that lady in the throat, mm-hmm. uh, he was disqualified from the tournament. So oh, he had to really? pay, he had to pay a fine and he lost all his appearance fees for making it to like the third or fourth round that he was in. So he lost like $250,000. So he got canceled. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Essentially. But here's a here's a twist, man. Because he's got he's got fans, right? Like he's a he's the number one player in the world. He's from Serbia. Absolutely. Oh, they yeah. found her name and they're like, they're sending her nasty messages online. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah. But she's just a she's just an umpire. Was she being <laughs> dramatic or was it uh legit i I think so man like i think okay you're an umpire these guys these guys are professional tennis players you know what their serve speed is their serve speed you're looking at like 230 to 260 kilometers an hour yeah these guys serve bullets yeah so when he hits a ball lightly back it's coming in pretty fast Coming in hot, yeah. It's coming in hot. I don't know. I feel like it would have been nice if she would have been like, you know what? It was a mistake. I don't think he was trying to hit her. He didn't. She didn't even make a call against him. Did that she was, him? Did she accuse him of malice or something? Well, the the head official had to come in and you know he he disqualified him based on the rule book. Okay. The rule book says if you hit an official, which appears to be, you know, uh, intentional, then you are disqualified. But 
it is if you see the video i think i think you would agree yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna check it out uh immediately i don't know why i didn't see that um well she's she didn't get hit with a with a serve she got hit with a re, like a, a random return ball right right it's part of this I, I feel like it's 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 a safety hazard for that job like she should be wearing a protective device absolutely well they probably will now but yeah uh, yeah i mean linesmen referees in hockey they get hit by pucks all the time absolutely so how does this guy like lose out on that much money yeah that's vindictive anyway they're she's she's a bit of an internet karen at the moment hmm yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't like, I don't think two wrongs make a right. I don't want to see anybody getting abused or threatened. Yeah. You know? But that does seem like kind of uh, a little, a little overly dramatic. A little excessive. Yeah. Anything going on for you? Um. Yeah, well, I had a birthday. Oh yeah. Cheers, man. There you go. Right yeah. here. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much. Um. I, we, can't, I, we can't celebrate. In person yet but no not really but we got a gig coming up but yeah. uh no it gets to a point where on your birthday when you get to be my age you're happy that you're alive <laughs> but you're not thrilled about the number right? <laughs> so, it's funny because my korean students you'll, you'll say like hey it's my birthday first thing they say how old are you mm -hmm. like, none of your effing business not right? answering that question yeah absolutely not <laughs> how old do i sound 80 right <laughs> Let's go with that. You mm -hmm. know? So Simone got me a very lovely, uh, I'm a collector. So I got the Mandalorian. Nice. Very awesome little, uh, little Boba Fett. No, no, it's not Boba Fett. It's the Mando. But very cool. I'm a Star Wars guy. I'm a yep. fantasy guy. I live in fantasies. Beauty. Yeah. Beauty. What else is, uh, did you, so our guest this week, um, is actually a pretty compelling dude. So what, what do you, how, how do you think we're going to do this episode? I think, I think for this episode, we are going to not have our special Canadian topics this week and we're going to just extend it. Okay. So we'll just have an extended episode okay. with our guests. Are you yeah. Cool with that? Yeah. That keeps it to an hour. And I'd like to uh, I'd like to discuss those topics in our next show if that's possible. Oh, absolutely. And about our next show for everybody who's been with us for the last fourteen episodes. Both of them. <laughs> this is going to be our uh, conclusion of season one, in the next episode. So, yeah, we're, we're going to leave you guys with like some some great topics, some, some great very, topics, some interesting banter's, you know. Yeah. Enemies became yeah. friends, friends became enemies, Absolutely. character arcs, all kinds of horrible, horrible music. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been <laughs> Yeah. So we have a, so if you're watching the program on YouTube right now, we're going to, we're going to go to our special guest segment. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we're going to go to our special guest segment. And when we finish that, then uh, we'll cut to our final thoughts. All right, everybody. So this week we have a very, very special guest. He's a Green Party politician, a father, a husband, a former professional wrestler, participant on The Bachelor, participant on Dragon's Den, all-around good guy, Mr. Matt Lund. Welcome to the program, sir. 
Oh, well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I very much appreciate being here today. Yes. I didn't know, I didn't know the bachelor thing. Oh. Or the, the bachelor. No, I, I guess that, that should maybe be a little clarification. I wasn't actually on the bachelor, but one of my uh, dear, dear friends was um, a very well-known candidate on the bachelor. Oh. Um, he was, I can't remember what season he was actually on two different seasons. He was known as the uh, rated R Justin Rigo. <laughs> If you watch The Bachelor, he was the one with the broken leg. Okay. Well, guess who broke his leg? That would be me. He was, he, him and I actually trained together when we first, when he first broke into wrestling, same as, uh, uh, you know, we, we started the exact same day, became very good friends. And right. uh, the, basically what happened was when he got signed up for The Bachelor, they wanted to get footage of him wrestling. So they took him oh. to a gym that I was running at the time and, they got footage of the two of us wrestling together. So he oh. was the bachelor. I was just the guy that broke his leg. You guy that, you're the guy that beats up the bachelor. That's right. And so that's my connection to the bachelor. So, right. you know, okay. uh, they cut that footage out, but, oh, you know. No. Uh, oh, I was, I was going to say if they left the there, leg. Yeah, because all the, all the women vying for the bachelor would have preferred you. Yeah, the guy that beat up the bachelor. The, ba the guy that beat up the bad guy. Because, yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he, he uh, you know, like every reality TV show has their villain. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he's been the consistent villain year after year for the, uh, like the, the one that they always measure up to on The Bachelor. This was the worst uh. guy in Bachelor history. Hey, Brent. Uh, uh, so that, that was my buddy, Justin. So him and I still uh, chat uh, semi-frequently. Uh, nice, man. Matt's the type of guy who like wishes his friend good luck. He's like, go out, break a leg. And then he breaks his leg. <laughs> I know, eh? Just don't say a Macbeth out loud. Uh, <laughs> there might be some damage there. That's cool. That's, see, even that, even if you had nothing else to talk about, that's a good segment. That's right a great there. segment, man. Like, Busted a guy's this, leg. This, this gets the viewership. All right. Yeah. So I want to start from the top, actually. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's start with your most interesting part, which is obviously the Green Party, clearly. I want to know, how did you get into politics and why green? You know, I, I was transitioning out of wrestling. Um, and originally my plan when I was transitioning out of wrestling, because, you know, like there's a shelf life, especially if you're not going to be a, a major superstar. Um, I was trying to transition originally into television and, and, and broadcasting. That is about as closed off as the mafia, I would say. It was just cutthroat and there's just not a lot of uh, easy way to get into tv and broadcasting film and so at that point um i had you know <laughs> i'd always been that guy that's like put up or shut up right so i i i kept always saying you know if i worked as hard at being a lawyer as i did at being a wrestler <laughs> i i'd be a millionaire by now yeah i was like finally it was just like okay well either do it or shut up so mm -hmm. I got into litigation. I uh, went to school, got my uh, my degree, and then started my own practice. Um, started working in civil litigation. Years go by, and you know, like I'm just I'm community oriented. The original plan was for me to originally run municipally, and then I just got started getting. It's like for me, it's like a snowball. I don't go and just do like anything half-assed. I you know, I jump in and I jump in with both feet. Yep. So the Chamber of Commerce, I'm, a, I'm one of the board of directors for my local Chamber of Commerce, and they said, would you moderate one of the uh, debates for the upcoming provincial election? I said, 
sure, by all means, I'll be happy to. At this point, I'm completely open-minded to any of the, you know, like I've always considered myself the same as most people. I'm fiscally conservative. I'm socially liberal. I try to find myself as a centrist somewhere in the middle. Agreed. Now, that's what most people, when you, when you really break down and just have a general conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, I, I, you know, the, the debate, I was just, I, I, I'm like, hmm, I think the conservative won that debate in terms of, you know, who you would probably give the best, you know, the, the most composed to. But I was really intrigued by some of the things that the Green Party said. So the Green Party candidate and I went out, we grabbed lunch. Nice. We just started talking. We got down and just started rambling down the, the rabbit hole, just spiraling out of control. And within about two months, I'm organizing the all, all the rallies nationwide across Canada for the Green Party of wow. Canada. I'm within about six months they have me on uh, on the ballot in a by-election wow and then in the last federal election they had me basically run nearly a half a dozen campaigns um across the country so um and it's just been a spiraling you know again i i don't want to necessarily say i'm always going to be married to the green party i'm married to common sense i like the i like i fight i'm an advocate Uh, my politics generally tend to be Provincial, not so much federal. Um, I'm, I'm much more in, interested in issues regarding healthcare, education, income inequality. Uh, I, I, you know, again, working for the chamber, working for uh, my myself, being self-employed. Mm-hmm. I'm much more somebody that just I, I like common sense, and I'm always going to fight for um, trying to make things work on a common sense level. That's awesome. However, that metastasizes. That's that's what it'll be. Yeah. Would you would you ever put Elizabeth May in a figure four leg lock? <laughs> you know who I would put in a figure four leg lock would probably be Patrick Brazil, who's uh, <laughs> Emily. Emily's so brittle. I'd probably break her just by you know she's just a, a brittle old woman. I'd break her just by you know blowing wind on her in the wrong way. But. Uh, Patrick Brazo, who's a senator, actually has yeah, wrestled. Yeah, yeah. Did he did he get paid to dive against Justin? Who, Remember they, uh Brazo and Justin had a boxing match. Oh yes, of course. Uh, yes, uh, uh, yes. Seven or eight years ago. Yeah, and that's what Brazo is just he's he's a he's a showman himself. Sure. But so if I was gonna put a figure four on anybody, it would mm-hmm. probably be Patrick. Speaking uh, of so showmen, that, it's going to be considered assault, and I'm going to go to jail. All right. Speaking of showmen, we had we had uh, your buddy from Tiny, Eric Showman, was on the program mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. So he Absolutely. lost his he lost his place with the party during that election because of a a Facebook post mm-hmm. that was basically a, a race joke that was taken out of context. My question is, like, what is on your Facebook? Any race jokes or any like tweets like Trump or anything like that? No, I've gone through very thoroughly in my Facebook. I, there was a couple of things that might have been like a little bit hazy, you know, like out of place jokes, not necessarily racial or uh, sexist or anything like that, but mm-hmm. just maybe inappropriate to be told if you were going to be on any kind of campaign. I made sure to try to take down anything that I, I thought was um, questionable and, you know, all my vetting went through. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like 90% of my stuff that you would find on my social media going far enough back is all going to be based off of wrestling and it's all going to be, uh, oh, I'm going to get that guy this Saturday night. You better come (laughs) check me out here and, you know, the... the Let me tell you, Mean Gene. 
that's that's the most of what you're gonna find all right um cool i'd say yeah actually the the things that would actually get me in trouble right now uh we have a local member of provincial parliament in my area who is about as brain dead um uh, as say oh Kayla like, any. like she, she's just an airhead okay. right <laughs> and so <laughs> You know, the Green Party is all about, oh, you're not supposed to do ad hominem attacks. You don't attack the person, you attack the policy. And mm -hmm. for most people, that's what I would do, as I would attack the policy. But I can't help it. She's just so bleeding dumb. Yeah. Almost everybody else in her party, I can respect. I can have, you know, intelligent discourse with. But this, the one that's local to me is just a, a complete moron. And I, I can't yeah. help but expose Thanks. her every time she says something stupid. I'm like, did you think about that, honey? Mm, and I come off as misogynist, but it's not because if she's a woman; it's just because she's stupid as shit. Right? Yeah. My language. Yeah. Is this a? Can I swear here? Yeah, for sure, man. Okay, sorry. We had we had a goal to get on CBC, but we gave up on that. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that would be the only thing that would get me in trouble is some of the things I've said to her because she's just so dumb. All right, all right, fair. Brent, you wanted yeah, to say something? Yeah. No, she just she uh, a lot of conspiracy conspiracy theories from her. You know, a lot of, um, yeah, you're right. Like, it's just, it's not, I don't know what it is, but the, I'm, I'm messing up my, 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 what I'm trying to say here, but certain politicians, it surprises me that they can be so dumb and still be supported, you know, like still have, have approval rating. Still have stuff. a full party behind them. Exactly. So some of the people on the podcast who are listening, they might not know your wrestling character who did you play what was your character when you went into wrestling and then take us through that conversation when you're talking to your parents for the first time telling them that you're actually going to do this character uh professionally <laughs> you know okay so i went through multiple incarnations so um in terms of starting in wrestling my parents actually got me started in wrestling okay to be honest. my dad was uh i don't know how much do you guys know about wrestling Back in the uh, 70s, it was territory wrestling, so it was all yep. basic. It was fragmented. Yep. My dad was uh, very close friends with the people that owned the Toronto-based territory. So um, mm -hmm. I, I got baby pictures of me sitting on Andre the Giant's knee. Nice. I, 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 you know, they, That's that worth was a fortune. Shows. Pardon? That's worth a fortune. <laughs> well, not really. It's just <laughs> me. But uh, it's, worth, <laughs> it's worth a lot to me. Pretty um, cool. You know, I... I was going to matches and being backstage at shows when I was just a small child. Um, nice. My parents eventually tried pulling me away from it. It's like, no, no, you're getting too aggressive. You need to pull away. But that bug had already bit me by the time I was 18. You know, I signed up, I went down to wrestling school. My parents were very supportive of it. And I trained at the same school as Edge and Christian, Trish Stratus. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, yeah. everything there. Um, and then, uh, I debuted. I originally debuted in Boston okay. under Killer Kowalski. All right. And uh, there's a, there's there. a comic by the name of Killer Kowalski. In there you go. Yeah, Killer Kowalski he was one of the big stars in the 1950s, and um, he uh, he broke me in on my first match in Boston. Nice. I uh, just wrestled as Matt Matthews, but not oh. that I really had a name because I was just another guy in a battle royal that got my dad okay. thrown at right. over the top rope. And then I moved to Quebec and well 
Ottawa, Quebec, and I was on the border and I was wrestling in that general Montreal, Ottawa region regularly as Matt Cage. Cool. So did you get beat up uh, by like Rick Martel and guys like that? Well, Rick never showed up to those ones, but there was a couple of guys that were pretty well known. Tiger Jackson was there, and uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacques Rougeau was there. So you know, like uh, Kevin Steen uh, or Kevin Owens, if you watched wrestling yeah. today, Sami mm -hmm, Zayn, mm -hmm. they were they were just kids breaking in. They were sixteen. Well, I was like nineteen, twenty years of age. Okay. And you were doing? Were you paying your dues as the heel? Like you'd be the preliminary guy? I was just a preliminary guy here. I was just getting my my ass handed to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, I then got hired to go on the winter death tours, which is basically going as far north in Canada where there are no roads. The ice road truckers, basically, yeah. I was the ice road truckers of professional wrestling, going to all okay. these remote villages, and uh, did that as the cowboy Matt Garrett. Oh, <laughs> and then I, I remember this character. And oh, then yeah. after that, I started picking up some notoriety, and then I got hired to do extra work for the WWE as. Oh. Doink the clown. Doink go. the clown. All right. Yeah. That's wow. a nice so one, man. That that's where I made you know the, the largest part of my career was working as Doink, Doink, doing extra work for WWE, going and you know, basically getting a guy that got beat up. But then I was able to take that. I still got my Doink costume right across the room right. from me. Wow. Um what was you know, what was it. what was Doink's finishing move again? Wasn't it just like cushion. sitting Don't on somebody, move. right? Sitting on somebody's face, jumping off the top rope, and sitting on somebody's face. That was called the whoopee cushion. That Loved was the it. whoopee cushion. From the big top. From the so, big top. Yeah, that was me. And so oh. for for 10 years, that was my, my life, my career, and on the road wrestling national across Canada, across the U.S., across worldwide pretty much, and just circling the go. And so with uh, speaking of like you know wrestlers who transition successfully into political careers, did you know Jesse Ventura real well? Did you was he gone by then? Oh, he was well gone by the time I've met Jesse. I shouldn't say like I met Jesse in passing at WrestleMania oh. twenty. Okay. Um, he was there getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. I was a right. face in the crowd, and you know, just hey, okay. how you doing? You know, congratulations on getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. That's the extent of my conversations with Jesse. I, I like Jesse. I, I like some of his politics. I think he can be a little out there sometimes, but okay. he right. generally has some pretty decent policies that uh, I think he's a little too far on the conspiracy theory wagon, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, that's his gig. But, that's uh, his gig. That's, that's, that's gig. who he is. Yeah. But, yeah, but he's sure. got some, you know, like I love the, I, I, I've always tried to, I like the idea of the maximum wage, you know, like if you can't survive off of $50 million a year, what are you doing wrong? Right. You know, like at some point there should be, you know, there's some good things he says and there's some good things he does. All right, right. He's All the right. only candidate that ever um, was able to win an election by raising less money than he actually made at the job doing it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Therefore, no favors to donors. That's right. Yeah. Hey, and that was a good, that was a good like connection there, Brent. You did that. That's I know what I'm doing, man. I <laughs> I'm profesh. <laughs> Wrestlers don't like the established parties. Mm -hmm. Jesse Rand is an independent. You're green, right? So it's they they don't they they tend not to just go into the fold. Well, uh, that's not a, that's not 100 percent true. Kane, I don't know if you know Kane. Yep. Uh, is a libertarian. Okay. And um, that's a guy, I guess, a little off the beaten wagon. But like, yeah, I mean, like, like Republican Democrat. You know. Well, Bob Backlund's a Republican. All right. Okay. Yeah. 
Vince well, McMahon is definitely a Republican. Republican. There's well, no did. doubt about him. There's, There's a lot of adjectives for Vince McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, his wife works for Donald Trump. Right. Okay. And, and, and he looks like Donald Trump Jr. They look like twins. You ever oh, seen that? They're, they're best friends. Really? Sure. Oh, Jeez, yeah. yeah. All right. I got a question for you, Matt. Away. This one's a wrestling question again. Sure. We, got, we have some wrestling fans who watch the show. Um, what was your favorite wrestling match of all time? For me, it was Hell in a Cell, man. And Which I just wonder... The first one against mankind. Okay, all right. Yeah. That, that, I, that's a great one. And 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 Nick and I are good buddies. I I love I love Nick. Why 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 didn't they put that match against you? Oh well, because huh? I'm a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I, I I'm I'm pretty far down on the Mick Foley train. Okay. Uh, you know, but uh, Mick's great guy. Yeah. Um, my favorite match of all time. You know, there was a match that really inspired me that. It was just an out of nowhere match, but it really spoke to me in a lot of ways. Is a, a match between uh, Jeff Hardy and The Undertaker. Okay. Is that um? And that match, that was it. Was just on Monday Night Raw. It was a okay. ladder match. A ladder match. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah. And it was just that one always comes back to me. Like, I, you know. It, favorite match watching somebody else that one okay. really inspired me i've always been inspired more by the storytelling not really the the violence sure. as much as the characters and you know like the drama that they go through internally and personally and that was a perfect setup of two guys that could have that had incredible story going into it even though the story was on the fly and two guys that despite the story still put off a great match as well. So I, I really like that one. That one always stands out to me. Nice. There's other ones that like, I'm a big Bret Hart fan, Bret. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my he's favorite my favorite thing, of all time. Well, you know, Bret, Bret, uh, like I'm, I'm very close with the whole Hart family. Um, when I, you guys know the Hart family, I'm assuming, yes, right? Of course. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Of course. So Stu Hart, when Stu Hart got inducted into the hall of fame, the Hart family was very kind in making sure that they gave me Stu Hart's Hall of Fame plaque. Wow. Wow. So um, everything with Brett. And, you know, like I'm a, you know, Brett's like a brother. I love the yeah. guy. Nice. Um, nice. You know, uh, above my head, you can see that's the only picture uh, in existence that has every member of the Hart family signed it. Wow. So, you know, um, th awesome. that, those are things that mean a lot to me. That, that, yeah. So the Hart family, for myself, my favorite match that I ever wrestled, um, I wrestled, well, there's two. I had a very, and um, well, one. I, let me just go with the one, I guess. My favorite <laughs> match was wrestling with Screech on MTV Live. Oh, wow. Cool. Did you whoopee cushion him? Match. Yeah, like Screech, Saved by the Bell. Here I am just. Did you give you know, him the whoopee cushion? No, no, he was my tag team partner. Oh. <laughs> with Screech, not against. With Screech, that's right. With so me, Screech. Screech, and the Bushwhackers, managed ah. by the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Right. Wow. Against Sheena Snively, who was the host of MTV Live. And then um, there was a couple other guys that were local indie guys, um, Celine Gion and uh, Izzy Slapowitz and okay. Virgil. Okay. Oh, really? Virgil. Awesome. Yeah, that was the match. It was an eight-man tag, but it was on MTV Live, and I just had the blast yeah. wrestling in that match. It was just so much fun, and, uh, you know, like, I was the one, I like, you know, you, know, you got to think, like, the Bushwhackers are ancient at this point. They're in right. 
mid-60s. Ted DiBiase's got a – the Million Dollar Man's got a broken neck on the outside. He can't do anything. Right. So, you know, Screech and Sheena, they're just two people fresh out of, you know, they got no skills. They've never done anything. So it was basically up to me to carry the entire match. Right. And it turned out great, and it was just so much fun. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, we, we, if you're not, like, into in the business, you don't realize how much – technique there is involved in it to oh, make yeah. it work and to sell it and to you know make it make it enjoyable for just a random you know fan who might want to pick up wrestling as a as a part-time thing we didn't know that as kids so me and my little brother had a wrestling league in our backyard mm. and we just had like real rope like real yellow rope as the ropes we had a tarp but nothing underneath it just mud and we were actually suplexing each other and doing yep. drop kicks and stuff. Luckily, we only weighed like, you know, 80 pounds each, right. stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah. you're durable at that stage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, a, it was a hell of a time. That was, our, that, was our, that was our catharsis. That was our fantasy world we lived in. We were top flight wrestlers. Nice. Yeah. Oh, did, you ever, did you ever get to wrestle or, or like do a show with Ric Flair? He's my no. favorite of all time. No, no, Rick's one that I've I don't think I've even ever met Rick. Well, right. I guess yeah, like I've been at like events where he's at. Yeah. But you know, like Didn't, again, yeah, just maybe missed a missed a generation. Passing him in the hallway or something like that. Right, like, right, right. He was, no, he was no, always no. in the south though. Wasn't he always right? in like Georgia, Florida? He was in the southern. Well, that's way before my time. You know, like so you gotta think like so I. I broke into wrestling in 2000 when mm -hmm. wrestling was still at its highlight and its, its peak. peak yeah. By that point, WCW was almost out of business. Right. The territories were out of business. And this is like only a year or so removed from when Rick's going to be joining the WWE. Uh, so at that point, yeah, you know, like again, backstage at a WWE event, but you know, when you, when you really break it down how many people are backstage at a WWE event, there's hundreds, thousands of people crossing sure. the entire a lot of the guys, especially guys like Ric Flair, they don't necessarily come out and socialize. Well, you, you sure. can say that because Ric Flair is known for being the He's most social, social guy. <laughs> but I, like, again, I, I just, you know, we, you know, he was never in the same locker room as I was at the same okay. time. We never got to chatting. We never really, uh, you know, there's dozens of locker rooms backstage. And I think it had a lot to do with my connection with Brett because Rick and Brett hated each other. So. Cool. Right. So yeah. I'd be in Brett's locker room, right. and Rick's not coming there. Um, all right, so I'm going to switch angles a little bit. Um, so you went on to Dragon's Den. Mm -hmm. I've never been on Dragon's Den. Who was your favorite dragon, and what did you pitch? Well, I went on Dragon's Den for wrestling. Oh. So that, that was season five, and that was uh, – so this is – it's just kind of a funny story. It brings it all back together. Okay. So – Brett's brother, Smith. Um, so there's there's eight brothers in the Hart family. Okay. Brett's oldest brother was Smith. So Smith and I wanted to revive Stampede Wrestling. And oh, wow. actually it was, you know, he was just kind of even like a flight dream at a little bit. So what ended up happening, when I was actually at the MTV studios promoting my match with Screech, Dragons then, and they, all the dragons were there doing a press conference for the upcoming season. Jim Tree Living, <coughs> the owner of Boston Pizza, ironically used to be a wrestler at Stampede Wrestling back in mm -hmm. the 1960s. 
Yeah, he was from Edmonton or Calgary himself, I think. Yep, and, oh, former RCMP officer. Yeah, yeah, so he wrestled with Stu Hart back in the in the 1960s. Wow. <clears throat> so Smith, having known this guy for 50 years, mm-hmm. um, we just went up and said, hey, how you guys doing? What's up? And we just had this, you know, we went out for drinks that night and had a great time. And, he, and Jim's like, you guys got to come on the show. It's going to be so much fun. We'll have a blast. You guys got to just got to come. We'll do it. I'm like, we don't really have a business yet. We're, yeah, we have an idea. We don't have a business. We have nothing to pitch you. <laughs> so it's like, don't worry about it. We'll just go and we'll have some fun. Okay. Sure enough, I get a call from the executive producer, which I like to come on the show. I'm like, we don't have a business, but sure, let's go on the show. <laughs> oh. So took a couple local indie wrestlers and we just went on. We had mm. a show. Um, Smith was doing some old Stu Hart submission moves on Robert Herjavec and uh, Kevin O'Leary. And uh, we just had a good fun time. We didn't have a business. How close were you to breaking? I wasn't uh, expecting to actually get it. How close were you to breaking O'Leary's leg? I wasn't. I I was staying clear of that. You can watch it all online. (laughs) It's still on the Dragon's Den website. Season 5, episode six or something like yeah, that yeah. I think how uh how like close McCurry. how close was robert herjavic to tears when uh jim messed his hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh robert robert was uh, you know i was surprised at how i don't want to say confront i thought i'd have confrontation with kevin on the show and kevin was a peach right my, my conflict came really more from robert i think you he know? seems kind of like a diva actually yeah mm-hmm. yeah like he was like sitting there trying to express the values of UFC to me. I'm like, you know, wrestling fans and UFC fans are two completely different, different things. Different people. You, have to, you know, like, and you know, it's it's two completely different types of audiences. Entertainment, yeah. yeah. If you don't yeah. understand them, you don't understand them. And yeah. he was just trying to say, oh no, no, you're 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 going to be beat by the UFC. It's like I'm not competing with the UFC. Exactly. So, right. That's what it was. We didn't get a deal, but again, wasn't expecting one anyway. But yeah. what ended up happening is we did end up starting Stampede Wrestling again for a few shows. Nice. And we did launch, a, you know, have a small comeback. And then the guy that was funding us, we had a, a, a backer and a funder that was actually, you know, doing the funding so that we could bring it back. He ended up dying. So oh. We got no more money. It all went away. So huh. he didn't write it into his will. No, didn't write it into his will. So shoot. Well, you'll get it. Well, unfortunately, you know, like any small business, you got to drag it up the hill for a while first, you know, and put money into it before, you know, that ball starts chasing you back right. down the hill. And yeah. We'd never got to the top of the hill with it yet. So. Mm. But I figure that with our podcast, you're going to get such a vast audience. That, you know, <laughs> right. Sponsors are going to start rolling. Somebody's going to donate. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, Matt, uh, you play baseball with your baseball hero who was that jose canseco jose canseco oh, that was that was a uh, um the guy who took a ball off the head yeah and made well, a home run it was it was it wasn't even so much we played baseball we played catch we played catch but what was funny about it is like so we didn't play catch traditionally couldn't all right so i ended up going to a bachelor party for a friend of mine okay and I was wrestling. So there was a wrestling show at this bachelor party. And uh, so. Who were you I, wrestling? I, a wrestler or a stripper? 
No, I was, I can't even remember who I wrestled that night. <laughs> I think I wrestled, well, I, yeah, I can't remember. Because okay. everything else about that night, yeah, I remember two things about that night. So I meet Jose Canseco, who's my baseball hero from when I was a kid. And I'm like, dude, you're here. I'm like so happy. I'm having a great time because I, I used to love baseball. And uh, I'm like, we got to play catch. He's like, you got a ball? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> Luckily, if you know anything about Doink the Clown, Doink is famous for having an accessory with him, Ooh. a midget. So I picked up my midget friend <laughs> and I threw him at Jose. He threw him back. And we were playing catch back and forth with uh, a midget. We're going to so get I some complaints about this. With, with, with Jose Canseco with a midget we wow. are definitely gonna get some complaints about this <laughs> i don't well, think midget's the correct midget term is, I think it's, it's, it's a little person little person <laughs> yeah. anywhere else in the world it's a little person yeah. in wrestling it's a midget. Wrestling isn't right yeah that's it it's that's only in wrestling and every uh, uh little person wrestler in wrestling would say i'm a midget, a midget. i'm that's, a midget but anyways uh <laughs> the only other thing i remember about that night iron chic was there as well wow and justin bieber was actually doing a, cro a concert across the road no man <laughs> and and iron chic was getting so coked up that night <laughs> that surprise he's like i want to go across the road and fuck up justin bieber and hey. we were all getting a little partied up and having a good time it's like yeah let's go across the road and kick the shit out of justin bieber and we were like like so close we Obviously, security stopped us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens at a bachelor party, I guess. How jacked is the Iron Sheik, though, man? Now? Oh, he's well, a fat tub of lard now. No, but back then, man. Oh, back way back when. He was his, so he, jacked. He was, he was a peak of fitness, but now he's uh, he's in such rough shape. Like, yeah. Oh, he's in, and, and you know, it's years and years of abuse. But right, he's in a wheelchair now. He was oh, in a wheelchair no. that night. Still wanted to cross the road to go fight Justin Bieber. Okay. Like I could kick it off yeah. still. I think my money's on the Biebs, actually. <laughs> I don't know. At least his entourage. That's the two things I remember about that night. Wow. Man. I have well, never I'm, tossed around a midget. I but I have tossed ask, around my baby. I was going to ask some political or some platform, some policy questions. Sure, absolutely. But, but I don't know if that's the vibe we got going right now. No, man, go for it. Go for it. I have, yeah, I have a, that was kind of the closer. Okay. Like I'm, yeah. I'm honestly, I'm curious about a couple things with regards to um, like the, the Green Party and how it can uh, make its place in the political landscape in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I have three questions. I'll just ask them one at a time. You can go shorter as long as you want. I just wanted to, to honestly see what you thought. Um, we've seen environmental improvement in air quality during the, the COVID quarantine. Uh, air quality and water quality so how would the green party or you yourself propose that we get back to normal without ruining the improvements that we've made so like in other words when the economy gets back fully running what can we go without that we won't miss and that that won't hurt people directly any kind of thoughts on that i 100 percent, absolutely i like right now the the issue is carbon emissions right we can, we have the ability to go carbon neutral right away or as close to carbon neutral as we possibly can. The, and people are always gonna say, well, you know, the green economy, it's not as thriving. Are you kidding? Like the green economy is a $7 trillion global economy. Yes. Imagine Canada leading the way globally on a $7 trillion global economy. 
you yeah. talk about electric cars, maybe, oh, well, they're too expensive. I can't afford an electric car. You can't afford an electric car. Well, you know what? The problem is, is that you can't afford not to have an electric car. When you really break down the costs of it, um, if you took all the subsidies the government puts into oil and into car companies like General Motors, you take all of those away and just make a free market, then that gas-powered Honda that you just bought you know, for $25,000 is now going to be the exact same price as a baseline electric vehicle. Those cars are brought down because of the subsidies. If those same subsidies were applied to electric cars, then an electric car would be 20 grand, right? And you'd right. be able to afford that just the same way. Right now, an electric car is 50 grand. But like a yeah. decent one, you can get some electric cars for 25 grand, but an electric cars, you know, let's say 50 grand for a really top of the line electric car, not a, not a Tesla, but like say a Kia Soul. And well, right. if you think that you're not paying money towards gas, you're not paying money towards repairs because you don't have an engine to repair. You're not paying money on, uh, uh, you know, just general upkeep on the car. And you can run that car as much as you want. You're going to be paying that same amount that you would be paying on that brand new Honda as you would be on the payments of an electric car. So we have so many abilities at this stage to transition into a green economy, into into solar, into wind, into thermal, geothermal. We have the ability to diversify so many uh, aspects of um, our economy. And, and this is one thing that, and, and, and I don't want to speak for every single green, but what drew me to the greens was the concept of a green economy and moving towards more future technologies, moving towards, um, well, okay, they say that for every million dollars, that the government spends on the carbon economy, it creates 15 new jobs. But for every million dollars that the government spends on clean energy, it creates 500 new jobs. There's just so much common sense into moving more towards a green economy. Yeah. And so yeah. there's lots of things that we can be doing without, but most of it is gonna be carbon. It's, yeah. sort of, it's sort of like uh, what, what we spoke with, with Eric Shulman, you know, it's like, People just love the status quo, man. You know, there's there's a there's a way of how things are done, and nobody wants to step outside of that happy path for you know how things are done. There's when the people that are donating to your campaign, and when when the people that are donating to your campaign depend on that economy, you know, you're not going to sit there and upset them so that they stop donating to your campaign, right? Of course, yeah. Would you do tax rebates or credits for people that went green with their automotive choices? Like, would your would would the Green Party do? I know that's a, like I think there's so many different steps that could you know that. Sorry. No, I said I know that uh, like the Ministry of Transportation is provincial, but like would uh, would there be a nationwide tax mm -hmm. incentive for people to? And, to and I, as I say, my, my politics are more provincial. Oh, no, I know, but I'm just yeah. like, I, 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 I don't know if I do tax incentives. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So you would, you would or would not do tax rebates? Um, I, like, I would try to, you know, level the playing field first and foremost. I, again, I think that that's the first thing that needs to be done is take the subsidies out of gas, oil, General Motors, you know, and big business in general. And just level the playing field and watch the market correct itself. Okay, That's yeah. what free market is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if we're not sitting there paying 
all these subsidies to these oil companies, then we could be taking that money and investing it into healthcare and education. And then those aren't question marks. Okay. Um, into other social services. Uh, so I, I think that it's really something that the, the in terms of credits um, and tax rebates to go on green cars, I think that, you know, there should be that right now there's a $5,000 rebate. And I, I like that from the federal government because that basically helps you build the infrastructure at home so that you can kind of set up your power wall so you can have your uh, charging station at home. I think that that's more than enough. Other than that, I think, you know, in order to have an economy, you have to be able to have that circular economy. Absolutely. And I, I really, well, first off, I apologize because we're on Zoom. So when we talk at the same time, we get this delay. But it's, it's happening It's happening to like Joe Biden as well, right? So it's like this, it's a Zoom thing. It's not us. So I hope I, I didn't seem to cut you off. Um, but yeah, you're right. And what I appreciate about what you said was that you're not just saying, oh, yes, yes, everybody, yes, everybody gets what they want. You're actually looking at it from a, from a response. You're not, you know, uh, pie in the sky. You're actually looking at this from a practical sort of element. Um, one of the other, if you don't mind, one of the other questions that I had, um, now, like the, the Green Party, like you even said, it's got a mix of like liberal and conservative sort of policies or views. Um, most, most environmental activist movements around the world embrace the full radical leftist ideology. And they, they feel that the environment, it can only be fixed if, if, if it goes hand in hand with dismantling capitalism, toxic masculinity, white centrism, <laughs> all that stuff. So this, this turns off massive amounts of voting population. So it becomes a non-starter. So like, tell us what your plans would be to be how are your plans better and more realistic than the, the, the screaming, panicking kind of uh, leftist environmentalism? So uh, and this is a challenge and a fight that I'm fighting every single day right now. So this is something that's very real to me. Sure. Um, we, as you may or may not know, we're in the middle of a leadership election right now. We have eight contestants running for the leadership of the party. And of that um, eight, one is a liberal two are greens much like myself and then the remaining uh five are these hardcore eco-socialist left-wing um dismantle capitalism type of people that are you know very hardcore radical i've made it no secret that you know if any of those five win that my membership with the green party is either going to become limited and or non-existent because i cannot support that level of eco-radicalism okay cool is what it really is i'm all for social justice i'm all for equality i'm all for uh bringing the um gap between the rich and the poor and making it closer there's a million things that can be done with that that don't have to be so radical it doesn't have to be a constant war and a constant fight on every single issue. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the, you know, the toxic masculinity, as you say. I can't apologize enough for what my great-great-grandparents did in this country 200 years ago. I'm so sorry. Right. That's not me. I'm here to fight for every single person's rights. Indeed. It doesn't matter your, your, your age, your gender, your, your color, nothing. Nothing matters. I'm here to fight. For, I would fight for everybody equally. 
um, but it's about making common sense decisions that um, work together and bridge the gap. You know, conservatives are not necessarily completely radical. Liberals are not necessarily completely radical. But when every, you know, when you make that the, the issue, then you become the radical. And I, I, yeah, you're right. I can't support that. Um, what am I doing to fight it? I'm heavily advocating for the two candidates right now, and I'm doing everything I can to try to get them some shine and some light right now. I really appreciate your honesty when you're talking about this stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. You know, and you're, see, because we've become so tribalistic now that compromise is viewed as defeat or, mm -hmm. or betrayal. Oh, if you try to meet them halfway, then you're not one of us. So we're just not getting anywhere. We're just spinning, we're just spinning our wheels. Mm -hmm. So I like, I appreciate your approach. I think so, that there's a common sense approach on every single issue that can really welcome every single person. You know, sure. like not every issue has to be, you know, this or that. It, there's, there's room for every idea to metastasize into something that um, everybody can get something out of. You know, when it comes to climate change, I always make the, the correlation to say, like, the liberals are the kind of, you know, they're bringing a 10-foot ladder to a 50-foot wall. Well, yeah, I want the 50-foot ladder. But right. I, I also understand that they're focused on X issue over here that really doesn't play into climate change. So give us the 50-foot ladder to actually climb over climate change and fix that issue. And we'll go and help you fix this issue over here, you know, that, you know, broadband internet for rural areas, Right. Indeed. And yeah. everybody gets something. Right. Fair. Fair. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> I have a sort of a closer question. Sure. Uh, it's been a great segment so far. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Um, Terrific. What is, what is your vision for the perfect Canada? Vision for the perfect Canada. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Honestly, take out the parties altogether. Mm. <laughs> And, and, and I mean that in, in the most sincere way because yeah, it gets lost in politics. you represent a party and you vote a party line, you're mm -hmm. not voting in your conscience anymore. Yeah. You know, and we shouldn't be electing party people to represent a party, a corporation, or a company. A perfect Canada, I think that most politicians know right from wrong. Most people know right from wrong. Most people want the same type of – most people want health care. And, and decent healthcare, right? You shouldn't have to be going and choosing between, I gotta make a mortgage payment this month or I gotta pay for my cancer medication. Which one am I gonna do? Right. Now, most people don't wanna abandon um, our elderly or abandon military or any of that, those, those people that sacrifice so, for us. Most people want a clean environment. They don't want to have air issues or water pollution issues. I think everybody generally wants the same thing. If you take out the partisan interests out of it, then people are going to get elected based off their own merit, and people are going to represent their communities based off of their own conscience without having to concede to something that they don't believe in. Yeah, because that's, that's why they get into it. Most politicians do get into it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. They just get corrupted and compromised along the way. From, from from the powers that be. So yeah, absolutely. So without parties, what you're saying then is we should have a dictatorship. <laughs> no, no, not a, not a dictatorship. People would get elected based off of the, like you would still have the exact same system. Okay. Right? 
they, you would elect the prime minister no different than the U.S. elects their president. You say, I'm running for president. I'm running for president. You can have 15 people running for president okay. so long as they meet whatever X criteria it is. Or I'm going to run for prime minister. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have the party and it's like whoever uh, wins party, the most right. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that all the members of parliament that get elected, right. are just going to be representing themselves in their communities, not their party. Right. Man, it's like the... I had a question before that was like, how do you convince a life? Because a lot of people are just so tied to their party. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm a lifelong liberal. I'm a lifelong conservative. I just can't vote anything else. And it's like, how it's like do you leaps and leaps and halves. Yeah. You know? How do you convince somebody to finally just think outside of the party uh, devotion and, and, you know, just consider the Green Party? I say, I watch How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Listen to Barney Stinson. All right. Change is always better. <laughs> wow. That's a, good, that's a good one to finish on there, isn't it, Brent? That's, that's, I love dated references. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Nice. Works we had me. a little bit of everything here. We had sports. We had, like, baseball heroes. We had some, some very deep conversation about politics, environmental policies. We had midget tossing, you know. This is the midget tossing. I mean, don't forget about that. <laughs> we won't. I'll, I'll put in that Eddie Murphy bit, the hilarious midget bit in there. <laughs> uh, oh, so Eddie's okay, but nobody else is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get canceled if I, do a, if I do a bit on midgets. Come on, man. I think but, we got canceled a few weeks ago. That's true. That's true. Matt, thank All you right. so much for joining us on the podcast. Anytime. Fantastic guest. Yeah, I hope we can stay in touch. I hope you'll come back and uh, hang with us some more. And Anytime. I, I had just as much fun. Thank you. Thank awesome. you so Thank much. You. All right. Let's play them out with some excitement. Cool. So final thoughts, Brent? About um, this? Yeah, actually... Um, I was reading an article. I was reading an article the other day where the um, the leader of the opposition in the Belarusian uh, parliament or Congress uh -huh. uh, was was kidnapped in broad daylight, and what? She, was, she was dragged into a car. She was she wasn't the president or the prime minister. She was actually the leader of the opposition. So I I, have, I, I don't know what the follow ups on the story yet are. But it's the, the Belarus, in Belarus, the government is basically trying to eradicate their critics. So how, my takeaway from that is that all of us in, in North America who love to say, oh, Trump's a fascist, oh, Doug Ford's a fascist, oh, John Tory's a fascist, Patrick Russell's a fascist, that's real fascism, baby. <laughs> Look at Belarus. If you actually want to know what real fascism is, it's when you get rid of your opponents for saying shit. Ah. That's fascism. What we have here are disagreements and, and uh, you know, policy concerns. We don't live in a fascist state. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, quite the final thought by Brent. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, okay, so. Actually, this week, I was reading an article that there was a house party in the University of not the University of Waterloo, but it was in Waterloo. It was a Wilfred Laurier University student okay. uh, house. Okay. And they had a hundred people party. I don't even have a hundred friends that I could like reach out to on Facebook. For I don't more, know like, people. Dude, 
there's three friends and they all uh they brought a hundred people plus more than a hundred people to a party so they got in some trouble with the law with the bylaw officers and so forth so my thing is just like okay we're not going to be able to stop you guys from partying but just party safely all right just keep it keep the numbers fairly low like if you're gonna have a house party five yeah yeah you can space out in a basement with five even without the virus, a hundred's crazy. Like you're insane. You know, that's that that toilet's gonna take a pounding. <laughs> More than the toilet. <laughs> oh god. So that's 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 hilarious, man. Yeah. Thank you. Literally can you imagine like being like talking to the bylaw officer and the and the song, you gotta fight. For your right. <laughs> hey, it's oh, going. I should have played it with you. You gotta yeah, For your right. Hey. I don't know that song, actually. Hey, that's a good song. But, uh, so yeah. that's it, man. Kids will, kids will be kids. I mean, I can understand how they're frustrated with COVID because they're not, they're not in the kill zone. No, yeah. not at all. So it's, not at all frustrating for them and i think you know a lot of these deputies you know you give you give middle management a tiny bit of power they're going to use it to the hilt right so yeah i think we're in bad shape look at england they got they have this whole new lockdown rule now what is that um curfew i think and uh no more than six people anywhere ever they're gonna they're gonna be employing like you know billies or something like that like yellow vest kind of you know sheet sniffers to go okay Bylaw officers. Right. Okay. So, and, you know, you give a bylaw officer a bit of power. You ever seen anybody so high on their horse as somebody <laughs> writing you a parking ticket? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I turn into Joe Pesci when that happens. But uh, These guys get into a lot of fights, so, like, people want to fight them all the time. So you got to, yeah, they have to be bad, pretty yeah. thick-skinned. Because a lot of them are not cop material, right? No. So they're, they're basically clerical people. So yeah. they do. Yeah, they take a lot of heat, a lot of abuse. So yeah. I'm, I'm not suggesting that we beat up uh, meter people. I'll, I'll end the segment. I'll end the show today with a quote from good old Doug Ford. Yeah. Okay. Anyone who's thinking of having a big shindig this weekend, forget about it or cancel it or we won't hesitate to shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's been episode 14, friends. <laughs> Thanks for watching. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out. Leave, leave a comment. Uh, yeah, we miss you guys. We love you guys. And we'll see you next week. Yeah.